Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of All by the Popcorn. I'm Emily. And I'm Alessandra. And today... We are talking about two movies that are getting a lot of award season buzz and uh, and truly deserve it. Uh, we're talking about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Judas and the Black Messiah. Yes, very long titles for these movies. Very much so, yes. Very long titles. And, um, uh, should we two talk... very different movies. Yes, very different movies. Should we talk about Ma Rainey first? Because I watched that first. Did, did you watch that first? Yeah, I, I watched that one first. Let, let's talk about that one first. Okay. Well, this is Chadwick Boseman's last movie, as far as I know. Um, Rest in peace. Rest yes. In peace, and Rest in power, Chadwick. Yeah. I mean, it was really great to watch him in this. Um, I like to joke around and call this Fences Part 2, but it is definitely... Uh, it's better, I think, than Fences. Like, I enjoyed it a lot more because, I think, because there was, like, jazz music in it. <laughs> there was there was definitely a lot more kind of happening in this one than I remember happening in Fences. Like, um, still a lot of, you know, conversations being had, very, like, kind of long, drawn-out conversations between characters. And um, monologues. <laughs> and monologues, yes, indeed. Because um, you said this is... This is uh, based off of the same because Fences was was based off a play, yeah. and so was this one, right? They're both yeah. based off of plays, correct? Okay, mm-hmm. and written by the same playwright. Um, I don't know about that. Uh, maybe, okay. uh, but okay. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the the yeah, yep, it is. <laughs> it is the same. It man. is okay. Uh, I, I thought it was. Yeah, I thought I heard uh, that. August, or I thought you said that. August Wilson. Yep. Um. He also made uh, Fences, yes. <laughs> the the play and the... And he helped write the movies for them. Yes, and I think and I think Denzel Washington, like, helped produce this one or something, right? I think he had... Yeah, um, as well. He had well. a little bit of a hand in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as he he acted in the in Fences as well. Um, so he must really like... He must really like this playwright's work. To work to work on both of his um his pieces, yeah, and he also Denzel was uh helped pay for Chadwick Boseman's college. Um, oh, did he? Yeah, he was like that was like part of his um his growing up. So he he mentored him, um, and obviously being put into this movie, he got to really show his acting chops, and completely be uh i think this character was definitely a lot more uh meaty and interesting than even the one in defive bloods because in that like in that movie he was like really kind of put up on a pedestal um whereas this one he seemed like more like a real person 
Yeah, definitely. Like, very real. You know, he was, his character was very cocky, very talented. Um, you know, he, and he knew he was talented. So he was, he was okay with, you know, you know, treating people, you know, not, not the best because, you know, he's very cocky and he kind of would talk down to people a lot. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so definitely a lot, a lot more real of character, unfortunately. Uh, mm-hmm. I, uh, I liked this movie while I was watching it. It was definitely, it's a lot of monologues, like I said, but they, every monologue has has a lot of stories in it. So every, all the characters who are just part of Ma Rainey's um, band are all, like, getting ready to record their music um, in this, like, white recording studio. And so they just all talk about different, like, experiences um, and since this movie takes place, like, I guess during, like, the 1930s, so there's kind of, like, a lot of, um, depression feeling, like, d- things going on in this movie, so everybody's kind of, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and especially since the whole cast is black, it's, like, all of the characters are talking about just the disadvantages and the things that have happened to them as black people in America, um, and it, 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 while also being simultaneously in this position where, like, they are getting a chance to record music, yet they're still, you know, n- definitely not as privileged as a white person. And we, we get to see that throughout the whole movie. Yeah, it's like, um, and, and it's really interesting kind of watching the, the differences between Chadwick, uh, Chadwick's character and, uh, Viola Davis's character because, mm-hmm. you know, she, she really came up from nothing and so she, she really knows about the hardships and, and so does, and so does Chadwick's character in a way because he has his own experience, mm-hmm. um, when he was younger. But, um, really quick, I, I want to talk about, so in, in the very end, they brought up like some, some, um, old pictures. I, I'm assuming Ma Rainey was, was a real singer mm-hmm. back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so this, this is definitely based on, like, true events or something, or at, at least based on Ma Rainey as a, as a singer. Yeah, um, I would think that the screenwriter, like, the, the writer probably knew of Ma Rainey and the band and just kind of developed this story about them. Um, cause it, okay. it, you know, obviously, spoilers, the end, like, Chadwick Boseman's character, uh, Levy, he, like... He murders a guy because he's so upset about his promise of being able to record music, um, his own music, being turned down by the, the white producer. And so he just gets, like, it's it's like the breaking point for him, who he, he kind of continues to, to do that throughout the, the movie. He tries to kind of, he becomes a little bit more unhinged every moment as it goes on. And, uh... Yeah, it's it's almost kind of like we have we have a, um, a lot of the scenes or like the scene. It it kind of made me think of um, what's that scene in The Great Gatsby where like they're in the hotel and it's really hot and everyone's just getting exactly. like frustrated with each other. Yeah, and like and just people are getting just just inching closer and closer to just to just being so mad that they just do something crazy. Like mm-hmm. it's just it's a super hot day. Mm-hmm. They're stuck in this recording studio. Um, and, like, everyone has their own, um, you know, things to be aggravated about, because especially, um, so, I don't really know where to start, so we kind of, like, because there's so much to talk about, like, yeah, there's a lot of characters, 
it's a really it's it's a really short movie, but it's very jam packed with a lot of stuff. Um, so I guess, so I guess yeah. The the beginning starts off like very very quick. We we kind of see how Ma Rainey um and her band kind of like go up in popularity. Like they kind of started a very small little stage, like a little showroom, um, playing their stuff, and then you and then you end on like or not end, but like, you know, it kind of ends the montage of her playing on this very extravagant stage in front of a ton of people, like mm-hmm. in a very pretty outfit. Um, so you definitely see that she's now a prominent singer uh, during the time and um, and her her music is, is widely adored. Um, and so, and then we kind of see uh, Chadwick's character, what is his name? Levy? Levy, yes. And then we see Levy there, and then, um, oh, sorry, something just fell over <laughs> in my house. I hope everything's okay. Oh, hope it's not a rat coming up your toilet like what happened to me oh. today. Do, oh my god, dude. Okay, sorry, quick, quick sidetrack. How, how was that? Did, did, did someone end up coming over to fix it or no, anything? Or get... No, uh, it So went, the rat left. It went down, just... went back down. <laughs> We, was crazy. we we opened it about twenty minutes later to find no rat. So uh <laughs> Yeah, it it went it crawled up uh while Danny was going to the bathroom. And thank God it, it didn't come up while I was going to the bathroom. But it just sounds horrible. Um, it was absolutely horrible. I'm glad I didn't see it because I would have freaked out. Danny said it was a very big rat and it was in the toilet. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I know. And oh my gosh. Good I, thing good I mean good thing it just uh, left, but I mean that means that means it could happen again, dude. <laughs> I know. We keep putting bleach in the toilet um so we just hope it'll just not you know come back. <laughs> yeah, I don't I mean I mean what would what would motivate a rat to to go up a to go to go up a toilet like i don't like do, it does it just find a pipe and it yeah. just sees where it goes i like, think so i think that's exactly what, <gasps> what they do oh gosh i no. know i no. i know it was pretty traumatizing today um it definitely could have been worse so thank god for that but i was just really happy when it disappeared and we didn't have to call an exterminator or something. I'd never heard of this before and, and then Kimmy and I found a, a National uh, Geographic video about it. Yeah. Like, apparently this happens in, in D.C. as well. Like, people yeah. have to call an exterminator to come to come get this get this rat out of their toilet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, 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 they, and they show you how they do it, too. Like, someone, like, split a toilet in half and then, like, and then made it clear so you could see what the rat does. Oh. Like, we, saw, we, like, learned all about this today. I gotta oh watch that, because I was a little afraid afterwards. Not that I'm afraid of rats, but I don't want a rat in my toilet. Like, I don't want it to be crawling no. around in my house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll send you the video. It was very interesting. It was very interesting. Yeah. So just um, everybody wish me good luck um, to not... Good luck. You know, wake up in the middle of the night, go to the bathroom and find a rat in my toilet. Um, oh my gosh. Yes. I do not wish that upon you at all. <laughs> I, I hope it never comes back. Me I too. I, I really oh hope that goodness. this was the one time that we, we have to deal with this in my entire life. But, you know, I don't know. 
I don't, I, who knows? <laughs> Dude, I don't know. Dude, I don't know. All anyway, right. back right. to Ma Rainey. We, uh, yes, we derailed this too much. Very, okay. very hot day, as you were saying, and I agree with you. It it felt that way, and especially with uh, Viola Davis's makeup. Um, her character was glistening the entire time. Like I, her, yes, her, her whole her thing. Makeup is- her, like she just has a bunch of black like eyeshadow mm-hmm. around her eye that's just very, very um shiny and smeared. Like it's yeah. like it's a very it's a very interesting look. And I I would love to like watch um like watch some behind the scenes or like you know about about the the costuming or the makeup to mm-hmm. kind of see like if this was intentional if this is how it was written for the play. Like I would love to know why like this was kind of chosen because yes like it you could like it was told and talked about that it was a very hot day but it really only looked like a hot day to viola she was the only one like just completely glistening the entire time she was like shiny and it was it was a very it was a very interesting look yeah i mean Um, i think it was accentuating her beauty a lot of in a lot of ways because it completely just it it showed even more how different she looked to like the white men in the room, you know, this beautiful glistening black woman next to like this man who she tries to boss around, but eventually kind of like can't, you know, she, she has some power, but she doesn't have the power that she wants, you know, and it's, and I I think it's, it works with that, you know? Yeah. 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 It, It, I, it was a, it's, it's a, really good play i think and a and you know pretty good movie in a sense because it it totally lets you see into what it may have been like to be a black person at this time and i, I mean that is exactly what movies should do yeah they should definitely they should definitely bring you back they should take you back to the time feel like you're during that time like really really get a sense of what it was like um and I think, I think this movie really did a great job in that. And um, so, and and again, kind of with it being based off of a play, we don't have very many, um, pl- um, what is it like backdrops that like that happens like that that yeah, that the movie like takes place. Kinda have, like, <laughs> it's like one. Yeah, it's very locale. So basically, we have like a shot, a couple of shots in the street in the beginning where where all of the members of the band are. Um, coming together to meet at the studio. Of course, we have the band members show up first, um, like the four men mm-hmm. that play, like the piano, the, um, I think, uh, Levy plays the trumpet, correct? Yes. Um, and then I think a bass player and, uh, what was the other one? Um, but the, just... The drums? You know, the, no, not drums. Not the drums. Another bass player? I, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't another. Yeah. Just <laughs> guitar members of the band come and start rehearsing and yeah. um, they're waiting for Ma Rainey to show up. Um, and then we kind of have this like scuffle in the, in the street where we don't really mm. see what happens, but we just kind of come up when she after comes. the fact. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like they're driving. Um, we know that something happened. Maybe um, a car like... You know, it, it, it seems there was a car crash or something, like a very slight one, or like maybe a, there was just like a, a fender bender oh. or something. Yeah, yeah. But again, we don't we don't really see it. It just kind of we kind of come out as as everyone's hearing about it, and they're just kind of saying like, you know, it's fine. Let's just it's nothing happened, and it's uh, 
Um, it was very interesting, uh, the, the scene, because you kind of have, um, and, and I, and I feel like this scene really ties into what Ma Rainey says later about mm-hmm. kind of where she stands, like the power she holds and the mm-hmm. power she's trying to keep, um, with her standing in the, in the musical industry. Like, so when we come out, we see like the policeman is there. He's not really letting Ma Rainey talk. He's kind of like, they, they keep interrupting each other basically mm-hmm. because like no one's telling the story right. You know, Ma Rainey says, well, this is what happened. You're just saying it wrong. And then like, there's just this whole thing. And then of course the, the, um, studio execs come out and they're like, we'll handle this. And mm-hmm. you know, they, it all gets, it all gets, a uh, you know, swept under the rug. Um, and they're able to go about their day. Um, and, um, and this kind of, this kind of brings up like, you know, Levy's constantly talking about how, you know, Ma Rainey has the power. She's, she is the prominent singer. She should have all the power. And he like, he like, like wants to have that someday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we kind of have Ma Rainey talking about al- almost the opposite. Like she's just saying like, they can't even buy me a Coke or they can't yeah. even like, yeah. you know, like, you know, follow my simple demands, like simple requests. And, you know, they kind of make her seem like she's, you know, hard to work with when, I mean, everything that she was asking for didn't sound, didn't, I mean, other, other than having her, uh, what is it, her nephew, her, um. Oh yeah, her nephew. Yeah. Sylvester. Yeah. 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 Sylvester, like, like open, open this, the open the album mm-hmm. with uh with like his little that the little saying they say before the song starts it was so um, cute <laughs> I, lo- was I, really love, cute. I love how they used to do that they used to have like little messages yeah like at the yeah. beginning and it has to all be live it's not like you can um burn like a part of it and then stop and then do it again like he they wanted it to be like right after he said it so he had to say it perfectly but he had a, a stutter Yes, he had a stutter, and so it took them like I don't know, like eight tries to <laughs> to get it. And and did they really have to just throw away the day? They they couldn't like erase what was written on the on the, nope. on the vinyl on the on the record. Nope, that's that's not how it works. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was uh, it's 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 very um. It, it's just a, a way of doing things that we've progressed so much farther from that. But people used to have to do uh, recording sessions direct to um, vinyl like that. And they only got like one take, you know, it was like, y- you do it right. Like you don't, you don't get to mix. You, this is it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, I like that aspect too, just kind of like peeking into the past of the way that they used to record at, at the time. That was pretty cool. Yeah, and they had like all the cushions on the on the windows, and they had to like close the windows up to make the room like soundproof. And so it was could, hot, you know. Yeah, record. and it was hot already. It was, oh my gosh. Uh, they were they were like I didn't realize that the whole movie was gonna like I think like maybe twenty minutes in I realized that the movie was just gonna take place in this recording studio but up until that point i was like come on guys like you gotta do this they said you just want to get in and out you know like you got the rest of the day come on and like to me like it was like they were just dawdling around like taking their time to be like okay five minutes here five minutes there and it's like an hour you know like chadwick boseman's character levy even has time to have sex with that girl and it's like what are you doing all day <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Yeah. It it definitely seems like they were there for a long time trying <laughs> to get this trying to get this recorded. Um, which I mean, it probably could have been uh, coincidental because I mean, Ma Rainey did not seem like she wanted to sign over her music to them because mm-hmm. she was kind of like that's true. That that was like yeah. that was like the her last uh, her last um like like her voice. And, and and being the only one who could who could muster that sound mm-hmm. was like her last her her only power. Once she signed it away, they could really do whatever they wanted with it. And in, um, you know, and including you know using the songs and things like for their own, like saying that they wrote them. Like yeah, like what happens with Lovey at the very end? You know, the guys like oh, you wrote these songs, okay, and he, like, had written, he gave him some nice songs that he wrote, and then, of course, the the end is very impactful when we see the white man singing um, Levy's songs, um, just completely, you know, appropriating what he made and what he put his heart into, um, and it's just, like, it's a very clear feeling that at the end of the movie, you're just, like, in a state of, like, a- anger and just, like, upset that that this is you know the truth of and the reality of what happens you know and it's just i like yeah. i like that the whole movie was like centered around that that power that that ma has like you were saying yeah and and uh one of the main struggles uh in this like one of the obstacles in this movie was you know the the recording studio wanted to make Ma Rainey's song like more upbeat and Levy Mm -hmm. had kind of done that they had heard Levy's version I guess of the because he kind of changed it up like with making the music a bit more upbeat Mm -hmm. um and that's kind of what the studio wanted they want more dance songs they don't want this slow yeah very you know slow jazzy kind of sound they want something a bit more upbeat that people can dance to they like want things to be a bit more fun and you know they're trying to get Ma to sing Levy's version and she's like no this is my song this is my baby like you cannot make me change mm-hmm. my song um and and yeah and then of course the really the really painful thing that happened to Levy was you know they promised him his own band and him mm-hmm. to be able to record his own songs that he would write and you know the second he handed those those songs over to the guy I was like no hold on to those like I said don't let him have them because, like, the second you let them go, I, I I saw that coming, too. I was like, oh, man, they're just going to they're just gonna take them and, and push them off to the side. That's basically what they're going to do, and that's what they did. And it was it was heartbreaking. I was like, oh, it's fuck, heartbreaking. Just really. It's heartbreaking when it he really kills happened. the guy, too, because um, Cutler, uh, played by Coleman Domingo, is, like, watching him, like, kill this man. And he's just like, oh, no. Like, not only have you, you're upset and everything, you've basically, like you've ruined your life now. Like, you killed somebody else, like, it's over for you, man. (laughs) You know? And it's like, it's just so, it's so heartbreaking, like you said. And, um, I think the... Yeah, and I, and I didn't see that coming because... Yeah, no, I I didn't either. So kind of, so of course, of course, Levy was, was mad about the songs and mad about losing his job and mad about, like, uh, there's also a lot of talk about God in this movie as well. Like, Mm -hmm. um, the, the boys are constantly telling Levy that, you know, he's going to go to hell and mm-hmm. things are going to get to him. Like, you know, you can't, you can't be lucky all the time. Like you can't, you're, you're super cocky and that's not okay. And, mm-hmm. and you're going to get what's coming to you. And I mean, and in a way he, he very much did like with getting completely pushed over by, by the studio and getting fired from Ma Rainey's band. Um, 
He really did. And and the fact that, you know, this kind of anger stemmed from like the final straw because, you know, he so Levy had had went had gone and bought some new shoes before coming to the studio. And so he yeah. comes in with these like very nice new like shoes and, you know, he doesn't want them to get scuffed. And Cutler, unfortunately, had had stepped on them or no, scuffed them. No, it was them. Toledo that that stepped. Toledo. Yeah. Or no, Slow yes. Drag. Sorry, the other the other guy. No, maybe it was Toledo. That's right. I don't know which one he killed. <laughs> I'm looking at their was... pictures. I, maybe it was Toledo. Oh. Maybe it was Toledo. I, mm, I don't know. One of them, one of them stepped on his shoe, and that was kind of like the final straw. Yeah, and that's kind of what made. He was that's, upset. That's what yeah. it seemed like. He kind of, he kind of killed him over, but mm, it was, mm. it was probably a collection of all the things that had happened at that moment. Like a lot oh, of stuff what? was happening. Definitely, and like um, they knew that too. Like it was, yeah. Especially since Levy doesn't want to be, you know, made you know, be, be made a fool of in front of people when he's, you know, he, he has an image to uphold and, you know, mm-hmm. he's got, he's, you know, he's very cocky, probably a lot about his, uh, reputation and everything else about that. So, I mean, and he was right outside the door when he had this conversation with the, with that studio guy. So, mm-hmm. oh, it was not good. It was not good. Um, did you recognize Coleman Domingo? He's, he's in Euphoria and I know that you watch that show. Um, he was also I, in If Beale Street Could Talk and Lucy in the Sky. I mean, he's in a ton, a ton of stuff. Uh, oh, no, I don't think I, I did see Euphoria, but I don't remember what, what character he plays in Euphoria. I don't know. I'm hmm. just saying he's one to watch because he's been in a lot of stuff, but Maybe after this this movie, if it gets more awards attentions, like you know, probably for Chadwick Boseman, um, mm-hmm. you know, I just I just see him being in in uh, some more some more higher praise things in the future. Although he he was also in Selma, like I don't know, he's mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I, I was just really impressed with with him as well. Um, but yeah, um, so yeah, do we think Chadwick's going to win the Oscar for this because? I mean, we haven't really watched any of the other ones that are up for debate, but considering that he died, people really like to give Oscars to people posthumously, and he did an excellent job in this movie. He really did. He really did a great job. Um, I hope so. I mean, yeah, we're we're really just uh, we're really just starting our our uh, our award season campaign here, <laughs> our our award season tour. Ugh. Like this is this is really the beginning. We got a lot of movies to watch still. We um, are way behind. We are so 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 behind. Um, but yeah, I mean, I hope so. He did such a great job. I would. I I know that um, Viola. Um, it's nominated. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think at the Golden Globes, right? Yes, and Dan um, Chadwick as well. So, yeah, uh, that was it. I think that was just the the two nominations that this movie got. Um, okay, yeah, I really like the song. Hopefully, the song. Well, it, it won't be original, but maybe it can be. Mm. Wait, did they do? Hmm. I I really like the song, the Marie's Black Bottom song. Um, but I but that's not that's not an original song, so that might not be in the nominations for that i don't even know i i (laughs) I guess we'll find out (laughs) um unless we had any other things to talk about um i i'm pretty sure it's in the trivia but i had actually looked up um because i thought the that viola's voice was 
was very great in this. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't think this is Viola singing. And it's not. No. (laughs) (laughs) Who is it? The only time that Viola is singing um, is when she is um, hugging her, hugging her lady. Oh, okay. Um, Mm -hmm. What's her name? I think her name was uh, Dussie. Dussie. Dussie May. Yes. Yeah. I think it says here in the, it said here in the, um, let's see. I thought it said which one was like uh, like Ma Rainey, uh, like the voice. Dang it! I thought it said it. Oh, on the on the list here. Yeah, I thought that's where I found it. I don't know where you found it. I didn't even know this. <laughs> hmm. There's it's a there's not very many people in this cast. It's it's quite a no. uh... unless it was in the trivia, and that's where I found it. Hmm. Maybe it was in the trivia. Well, I'm going to read the uh, plot keywords here. Uh, we got agent, female protagonist, N-word, no opening credits, piano. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, sure. Sure. There you go. Yeah. Um, Maybe it was in the trivia. I'm trying to, trying to see if it was. In the soundtrack. Here we go. Here. Singer Singer Maxine Lewis provides most of the vocals for Ma Rainey. However, when Ma Rainey sings These Dogs of Mine while fondling Dussie May, um, it is Viola Davis's actual voice. Cool. Yeah, it says all of these original songs were written by Ma Rainey and the soundtrack credits. Um, But Dr. Jazz and Baby Let Me Have It All were produced um, by different people uh, written. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. which I guess were just additions to the songs. I guess the ones that Chadwick wrote. So um, mm-hmm. maybe maybe one of those um, will get nominated. But I I don't know. I don't think the I think if you like produced and arranged something that it would be able to be like we just adapted this, you know. But like because it was written by Ma Rainey, you know. Like, yeah. So no, probably not. That was like a hundred years ago. Um, just thought it would be fun to to see it performed if 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 we can even i don't know i don't know how the oscars are going to work this year <laughs> <laughs> well we'll just speculate we anything performed we'll just speculate yeah. um so this got an 87 meta score which is really good the bbc gave it a 100 um it's, it's all in the green the lowest one is 70 um i should just read this 100 yeah. by bbc it says the film takes place largely in two down and dirty rooms the recording studio in the basement where the band rehearses but it doesn't feel stage-bound. Wolf finds the right balance between letting Wilson's trademark monologues flow and shooting them in a cinematic way that keeps the film moving. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, I agree as well, because the stories were um, very impactful. The one that, you know, Chadwick Boseman talks about, how was his mother, I think, was raped, um, and then she was killed, and then another one where the um, one of the other guys talks about his pair of shoes or growing up or something. Sorry, it's been a couple weeks since I watched this. <laughs> but um, I thought they were really good. Oh, like the stories that, that everyone shares. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's levies about his mother and then his, his father eventually going and, you know, trying to kill the men who killed his mother. Mm-hmm. But then getting killed himself. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, there was another story that was shared. Was it uh, about... 
It was like about God. It was the I think it's the guy who gets killed. He talks about um, why he believes in God and, and um, mm. something like that. That's that's what I'm remembering. <laughs> yeah, I can't quite. I can't quite remember what it was. Uh, let's see if there's one here that I like. Um, kind of like the uh, Empire one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they gave it an 80. Uh, Bozeman and Davis delivers superb performances in this timeless meditation on black art and those who would exploit it. Yet another fine adaptation of an August Wilson play. That's very nice. Very short and sweet. Yes. Let's see. There's another one. Um... Um, the Guardian just gave a lot of praise to Bozeman's final performance, um, calling it glorious, and the fact that Davis and Bozeman are each the immovable object and irresistible force. They are very good as the leads of this movie. Yeah, they were really good. They were so good. So I guess, uh, since that movie had two leads, let's just move on to the next movie that had two leads... Judas and the Black Messiah. Ooh. Yes. (laughs) Another uh, double take here. Um, Director Shaka King. I believe this is his first movie that he's directed. Oh, really? Okay. Um, Let's see. He's directed uh, short films and episodes of High Maintenance, Shrill, and People of Earth. But this is his first um, feature film. And that is amazing, because this movie was fantastic. Oh my goodness. Um, I, I was very excited to watch it. Yes, I was very excited as well. And um, uh, Alessandra had recommended that I listen to the Stuff You Should Know episode about the Black Panther Party. Um, and it was a very enlightening uh, podcast, because I knew... And probably still, well, I I probably know a bit more now that I've watched this movie and listened to that podcast. Um, But I knew little to nothing about the Black Panther Party. Um, So both of these were very enlightening um, and really went great hand in hand, like you were saying before, like you said that these would really go good together. Yeah. And on that podcast, um, I mean, I don't want to, it's hard for me to be like, to speak about something that I've heard secondhand, but... On the podcast, oh. it's very good to um, to listen to because it just is a nice overview. But they do provide a lot of good sources of um, you know documentaries to watch and uh, articles. Oh yeah, to they read. brought up the documentary that I really wanted to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it would be you know if you're gonna if you're looking for a place to to look, they they usually are super good at their sources. So I would. I would recommend them to start as a primer. That's what I, I say. But um, yeah, I I listened. So I had listened to the episode before I wa- I watched the movie. But you watched the movie before you listened to the episode. So what did you think? Of- I tried. I I tried to listen to the episode before, <laughs> but I I kept doing something that wasn't allowing me to actively listen. I, I was doing something that was taking a bit more of my attention, so I wasn't giving my full attention to the podcast, so I was like, okay, I can't do this. I need to just, 
and then, I don't know, a day happened, and I had to watch some movies, so I was like, all right, I'll just listen to it afterwards, um, and it still, like, it still gave me a lot of info, um, and I, and I thought it was funny, um, because at the very end of the episode, um, I can't remember if it was Chuck or yes, the other Chuck guy. Yes, Chuck says I, they should says, make a movie about Fred Hampton. That's what he they said. They make a <laughs> I know. And he says, and he says Black Messiah, so I guess, mm-hmm. I guess that, that term must have gone around a lot, um, um, back in the 60s, right? Like yeah. Like saying that, you know, Fred Hampton was the Black Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um. And stuff like that. So I thought, and so when that, when he said that at the very end, I was like, oh, what do you know? There's a movie now. <laughs> I know. I, I posted on the the movie freshers, like Facebook, and it got some, some traction on there about like Chuck's comment about that. But yeah, so I mean, considering that I, I listened to the Black Panther, um, they released it last year um, during the... I think in June. Yeah. Well, it was the, it was released previous to that but they re-released it in mm. in last june for um during the protests um just to oh. to be more like to, to give more context to what's going on and you know it it really is incredible to hear about the black panthers who did you know they just like you said we didn't know a lot about them but when we think about Black Panthers, we think guns and violence and kind of like a terrorist group, which is like not really what they were, you know? And, and so it's just kind of like seeing seeing this kind of come out a little bit more um, to people like us who were raised, uh, you know, through the history that we learned in school, which is not very comprehensive. Um, nope. You know, nope. I, I like that we get to see movies like this um, about somebody like Fred Hampton who um kind of took took the filled the hole of the the Black Panther party uh the, the like power hole that they were like needing when a few of their lead members went to jail or fled the country um and so Fred Hampton kind of stepped in in Chicago and just united um so many people together including like people from A- Appalachia you know like just basically any kind of like are marginalized peoples. Yes, which they did bring up a lot in the podcast that this was what um, Huey had, I think Huey or uh, uh, Bobby mm-hmm. had, Bobby Seal tried to do. Like like these these kind of like joining of, of these different um, my, minorities of people, marginalized people, um, was definitely something that was then brought up again because it, it definitely made it sound like there was kind of a gap between um, uh, Huey being like sent to jail mm-hmm. and you know the 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 party kind of dissolving sort of a, in a way and then it's rebirth when Fred Hampton kind of took over so it was really great hearing about that context because you know when I was watching the movie I was hearing a lot of these names that I you know really wasn't aware of or mm-hmm. you know with really their their um prominence in history and their their context to the movie until I listened to the podcast. Um, so yeah. definitely listen to the podcast before you watch the movie. I know, I would, yeah, I just, I would suggest that. I and did. I was also surprised to hear that Chuck, um, that, you know, our education is a much different than what uh, Chuck and, what's the other guy's jo- name? Josh. Yes, mm-hmm. Josh and Chuck, like, because even they said, like, I didn't hear, I didn't learn about this mm-hmm. in high school, I didn't learn about this in college, and then just to still have that be a theme. yeah. Is, is crazy. And and not to mention that I heard in the news that some states are allowing parents to opt their children out 
of black history, which is ridiculous. Um, dude, the states are whack, man. Fucking states are whack, dude. Um, and <laughs> and also not to mention that you know, kind of learning about the the black part, uh, the, sorry, the the Black Panther Party, um, also brought up some more relative news that um, with all the increased, uh, what is it? increased violence against the Asian community, mm-hmm. there is now kind of like a patrol happening in some in some places where people are going out and making sure that, you know, elderly Asian mm-hmm. mem- um, members of the community are not robbed or, you know, um, assaulted. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, and this is kind of how the Black, the Black Panther Party started. It was like making sure people didn't get hurt, like, unneedingly harassed and stuff like that. Definitely. So it's crazy yeah. that, like, history is, is in a way, like, repeating itself. Like, and it's... Not not even in a way. It is. Yeah, it, it <laughs> or, is. Or continuing. <laughs> or, or just or just not or not getting better. Sorry, not repeating itself, but but not getting not not getting better. Obviously. Well, I think it's just evolving and repeating um, themes. True. <laughs> um, repeating themes. Yes, yes. But so let's just talk about. So obviously, the context of this film is very important. But um, as a film itself, what did you think of the structure? What did you think of the fact that there's two leads, uh, along with Jesse Plemons as, as kind of like a really good supporting role in it? Let's see. I really liked these two, um, cause again, a part of the podcast, they really brought up, like there were moles like implanted in the mm-hmm. party to, you know, kind of dissolve it from inside. So I really liked this, like this double look cause you have, Lakeith and Daniel Kalua, like, they're, they're like, they're, it's, it was crazy. Like, it, it was so cool, like, kind of seeing, like, his, his, like, motives and, and kind of, like, battling each other almost mm-hmm. and kind of having, like, yeah, Jesse Plemons, like, he, he is, he's a creepy dude. Like, he's a creepy looking dude. Yeah. So I, so he's, like, perfect for this role because he was in, um, Black Mirror, and he mm-hmm. he's a scary looking dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, I love like, him. He is he's so good yeah. at playing just like yeah. a, a creep, like an absolute <laughs> creep. And he's like super white too. Like his eyelashes are really light, and his eyebrows are really light. And it's just like you know, yeah, he's kind of creepy in that way. He's so creepy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but so, I like, so kind of watching all these like things happening at once was was uh. And and, mm-hmm. and I I thought that they that they kind of they laid it out very well. Like it wasn't like confusing. It wasn't like mm-hmm. you know too much to handle. Like you know there were some suspenseful parts and everything. And you know some very heightened, some very heightened scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought they laid it out very well and very like very easy to to follow and comprehend. Um, like very good. Yeah, I mean some criticisms I saw of this was not showing enough of the internal structure of the Black Panther Party and stuff. And Ooh, I do agree okay, with that, okay. but also like it, it is it, it it does have to tell a story in 2 hours. It does have to explain um the the way that, you know, Fred Hampton did rise in 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 the Black Panther Party and Mm-hmm. in the Chicago community and, and, and beyond. Um, right. And they also, like, didn't... I, I was reading it, and, and they were... This was, like, a really... This was very difficult to get made. Like, this movie was something that had been pitched, like, a million times um, by, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the idea that Fred Hampton, you know, should have a biopic, obviously. Um, okay. And, like, so many different production companies were like, 
we could try it, but then we just don't like it. And then they'd like drop it, right? And I think the the way that the director went at it this way was by showing it to be kind of like the infiltration idea that like Bill O'Neill would be oh. a main character as well kind of making that drama so that they could be able to be like, okay, this is going to be a very compelling movie to watch because, like, you have that um, main character with a uh, very um, difficult personal choice, you know, as he as he continues. And uh, Lakeith has said in interviews that it's a, it, this role was very difficult for him because it was like he was... He was had to get into the mind of somebody who would do this and somebody who would basically right, be right. an accomplice to many people's murders. Um, and, and especially somebody who he looked up to. And, you know, that's like, a, he, he was like explaining that he understood, he had to get into that mind to understand that. Um, and I thought that that, that was an interesting way to go about it because it adds a lot of drama, right? I mean, obviously the, the life of Fred Hampton is already dramatic, but, um, Having that, that right. Bill O'Neill side to it as well, it just kind of really added that and, and made it a really compelling movie. So are the articles kind of saying that this, this infiltration part was added to kind of make it more, um, like, palatable in a way? Like, what, what was it more about just, like, the, the Black Panther Party and Fred Hampton and kind of just what happened to them, but then they kind of added this part in there? or No, I mean, I'm it... not really sure about what other people had done, but that's what Shaka King said in a GQ interview. So I would I would uh, reference okay. to that. He basically was like, we just wanted to make this... Um, they, they had a lot more ideas, but they couldn't shoot them because it would be too expensive. So mm. pretty much they just okay. did what they could on the budget that they had, which wasn't very much... <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. You know, period okay. dramas are expensive, you know, like you, you, they're, to make them like worth it, like to, to really kind of be like, to, sh- to film and to make, you know, that really wasn't um, that many people in this movie. And it really was kind of like, it could have been so many, so many more and so much, you know? Well, yeah. And especially a part of the trailer, it looked like there were a lot of, um, musical artists that were kind of like in on this like either in the soundtrack or because I, I think that was a part of the trailer wasn't it like just listing a bunch of artists mm-hmm. names like as were they in the you know me I, I i don't listen to the to the soundtrack very pretty much the only song i heard was the one in the very beginning yeah and the one like in the very end it was the same one like of course that was the only one i heard and then of course if there was just like you know a, a song playing um i'm so horrible at listening to soundtracks for <laughs> movies because i just I just, uh, I blocked them out. <laughs> you know what I, I noticed in this movie? There was a song, the, the, the score I noticed because it sounded like it was car horns, like going like, mm-hmm. you know, that's, okay. that was my impression of a car horn, but that was, that was pretty much what it sounded like. <laughs> that's what I remember. But in terms of like, um, I remember that there was a song in the credits, but, um, oh yeah, yeah. Other than that. Maybe there might have been some. Yeah, you're right. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the song in the credits was the was a uh, was uh, hers song. I, th- I think it was that one. Oh, cool. I believe. Yeah. Um, somebody wrote on my post that I made on the Crusher website that uh, on Facebook that Jay Z has a line in one of his songs that says, "I was born on the day that Fred Hampton died." And, like, Jay-Z mm. 
I mean, I didn't know that, that Jay-Z was born um, the same day that Fred Hampton died, which is crazy. <laughs> um, uh, that is crazy. <laughs> and then he, like, <laughs> I know, and you think about it, you're like, okay. <laughs> like, when, you know, who died when you were born? <laughs> this, mm-hmm. like, somebody as influential as, as Jay-Z, but obviously in a different way than um, Fred Hampton, but still like has that kind of rhythm and, and, and the, the way that Daniel Kaloa played him was just, um, he, it was often difficult to understand what he was saying. And I'm not sure yes, if that was the yes. way it was in real life, but the way that Daniel Kaloa was playing him, it was, um, I really had to pay attention to, to what, the, like his accent and the way that he was saying things. It was, uh, it was interesting. Like I had really not heard that accent before, you know? Yeah. I'm not sure if, if that's, if that's really what Fred Hampton sounded like. Um, but I mean, I, I have, I have subtitles on everything now. Like I just, I don't, <laughs> I, I, I never used to put subtitles on because it would always distract me. Cause I would sit there and read them instead of like watching, but I've kind of learned to, you know, read them. What what I need to do is read them when I only need to, <laughs> just not, <laughs> right. not read them all the time. Because, but yeah, I mean that really helped with with kind of uh, trying to hear <laughs> hear Daniel Kaluuya. Because yeah, it was it was a little it was difficult. It was very difficult. But like he, it, what he was saying was like poetry, like um, like what his uh, girlfriend uh, Deborah Johnson said to him, like the first time she met him, she like it's like, you know poetry and you should think about your words as poetry um which i i really liked because obviously public speaking is is it's an art form and uh fred hampton excelled yeah and and when he said that uh you know he just kind of uh improvises when he goes up um that would that that'd be amazing um if i i i i think that i mean um I'm sure that was true. I don't know. I mean, you, you never really know with uh, with movie adaptations if. Uh, but I'm sure. I'm sure if Fred Hampton really improvised, uh, that would have been amazing as well. Because yeah, his his words were very were very powerful. Uh, so let's talk about the women in this movie because I feel like I, I read that um, Shaka King was having a difficult time, like having the budget to put more women in the film because apparently in the Black Panthers women were um, equal to men in a lot of ways um, like in, in terms of like the amount of them at least um, or women who had jobs that were um, in the um, more like registrar like the higher ups part of, of the Black Panthers um, right yeah yeah so we had we had the character of Judy Harmon, played by Dominique Thorne, apparently that was just like a person that they made up. I think I read that um, for the movie, but it was at least good to see that that kind of like she represented all of the women, basically. That it, like I wish there was more. Like I wish there was more people. Like we were introduced to more Black Panthers, you know. Well, true, because yeah, that because that was brought up in the podcast. They were saying that you know there there was still a lot of um, um, kind of division within the Black Panther Party with mm-hmm. with women being a part of it, and and you know they're really trying to dismantle that. You know, really trying to make women equal in the party. Um, and there were like two women 
that were that were higher up and in like the management side of the Black Panther Party. And I, th- and I think someone still is. I think there's a, I think her name is, uh, what was her name? Um, there is still a lady who runs the Black Panther Party, mm-hmm. like, uh, or like, you know, an, an adaptation of that. Mm-hmm. Um, With Fred Hampton Jr.? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, these, these characters would have been great to see because I'm sure they were still around at this time. I don't know. They, they did say that some people had to go um, overseas or international um, to go into hiding, basically. Yes. Um, but, I mean, th- these would have been really great characters to see as well. But, yeah, we kind of had to just have these two women kind of portray the women of the Black Panther Party. And, I mean, I was extremely impressed with um, Dominique Fishback, who played Deborah Johnson. I mean, she was... Honestly, like, I did not expect to have her, like, at the forefront of the movie because she's not really in any of the, um, like, the trailers or any of the the pictures for the movie. And I was like, she's such a good actress. And the way that she was, like, falling in love with Fred and her ideas and her, like, worries about becoming a mother, I just thought that it really humanized the, the everything, like, the whole story. Like, having Fred be not just like a figurehead but also like a a father and um somebody who is deeply cared about like on a personal level you know yeah because even because even after fred got out of jail he really kind of he really kind of set himself on you know on um on like a higher pedestal because he i mean he had to like he needed to be the voice he needed to bring the person to bring everyone together and you know to kind of have him um you know come back um, come out of jail and just kind of pick up where he left off after, you know, Deborah's now pregnant uh, mm-hmm. with his child. She she really had to bring him back down. She's like, you know, you can go off and say that you're going to die a revolutionary death, but, like, I'll, I have to bring this child into this world. I'm basically bringing this child into a war, mm-hmm. and that that's scary. And, um, yeah, that scene where he finds her notebook and she's, like, written all these, like, thoughts and mm-hmm. thoughts down and you know, am I going to be a good mother? Is this a really, is this a good idea? And, you know, he's like, do you, are you having second thoughts? And she's like, well, not anymore, but I mean, I did. And like, it's just, it's, it, she really brought a really great, like complex, um, side of, of even Fred Hampton. Like she really brought, she really brought like multiple viewpoints. And, and her strength, like really resonated throughout the film. And especially at the end, uh, the scene where, everybody was murdered, like, like, and Fred was shot in the house. It was so hard to watch that scene because I obviously, like, this is something that really happened. And so watching, like, the cops break down the, the door and her not be able to to wake up Fred and have to, like, stand yeah. and hear them shoot him was just, like, I mean, I, I was, like, crying. Like, my, my, t- it was so, it's so visceral and difficult to watch, but this woman had to, like, live through that it, and um now her name is uh, Akua Najeri she changed her name but um she she and her son like um Fred Hampton Jr they still are like talking about this and, and she's a, a writer and an activist like she is um you know very active in in discussing what happened because like when people are um starting to get more interested in it you know it had like a resurgence in the 90s but now like you know she can feel like she can talk about this and um 
she gave her two cents to the movie as well. Like, they they both discussed, um, like, the ways that it was like for them. And Shaka King and the writers, like, um, helped, like they were helped by them. So I, I, yeah. I liked that, that they were just, like, approved by the family, like, the people who loved Fred um, to make this movie. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that should be that should be one of the first first steps of making a movie is is you know getting getting the okay, getting the authorization, getting the input from the people who who lived during this time or have have the knowledge of this time. Like that should definitely that should go without saying. I mean, mm-hmm. we definitely criticize some some other movies that have done <laughs> this and just completely yeah, completely not <laughs> taking the ideas of the of the people who who know most about this. Um but yeah, I I love movies that that get the that get the stamp the stamp approval because that just makes them even more um, enjoyable to me, honestly, and yeah, and make them more like um, I don't know legit. <laughs> make them more legit. Yeah, another criticism I heard about this movie is that the characters are definitely not true to age uh, for what okay. they actually were. Um, yeah, because like. Daniel Kaluuya is, like, 30-something, and he is supposed to be playing, like, a 21-year-old man. And, you know, same thing with Bill O'Neill. Yeah, like, Fred Hampton was, like, 21 or 22 when he died. Like, he was extremely young. Um, And same thing with with Bill O'Neill and and Deborah Johnson. Like, Deborah Johnson was, like, 19. So, like, you're watching it, and... These these actors are a lot older, so yeah, I, mean, I don't think yeah, like yeah, yeah. you could watch like Lakeith and be like he's twenty, like no, he's like thirty, you know, like it's he looks like he's thirty, you know. So that was just yeah. a, a criticism that um, that maybe would have humanized it. But to to come back on that, like Shaka King was like, well, then who else are we supposed to cast? Like you know, we have to cast people who like this was this was like produced by. Um, the director of Black Panther, you know, he they're gonna you're gonna want to put actors in there that are like notable black actors, um, which is you know that's a problem because like it's an inherent issue with new movies, right? Like you want people to see your movies. If you're gonna put a new person in your movie, then nobody's gonna see your movie. But if it's like you know, we can't just be having the same black actors. We need new black actors. We need new people. You know, it's like there's that's whole. Thing. Yeah, you'll always always need new always need new actors. Always need new blood in there. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, this, this goes this goes across the board. <laughs> like, just, um, and yeah, I could definitely see that being a being a pitfall of of yeah, because if, if there was a really great like actor new up up and coming actor that could have played played uh Fred Hampton, you know, true to age, true to like you know. More than Daniel, who's a who's a fabulous actor, but like these people should be given the chance. Yeah, I mean, I agree, and it's um, it I, uh, I was just hearing that and and the whole concept of people who um who have criticized this movie about the fact that it's just, it's kind of just like one of those things where, like I was saying, they're just using the same actors because of like black excellence, which is like a thing that is, um, being talked about in, in the, um, critiquing circles right now is the fact that, like, we only approve of something if it, if it's black excellence and nothing else. 
And yeah. that's kind of a feeling that I, I understand, especially with this movie, because people are like, okay, yes, I love this movie. It's an amazing movie. But are we praising this movie because of the fact that it is a biopic about somebody who needs to be talked about? Like, you know, I think it's okay to criticize things. Um, but, you know, obviously we're not part of the black community. So they their criticism should, should matter in um, ways that the entertainment industry can get better at, you know, producing films, black films from, you know, and other people of color's films more easily, you know, so we just need more yeah, of it. Completely. <laughs> and you talking about black excellence is making me think of, I started listening to a podcast called uh, The Nod, mm-hmm. and they talk about, because um, I really want to, I really want to get into learning more about um, black history and, and a lot of other things as well. And um, this is a really great podcast. I'm actually really excited to listen to more. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really talks about um, it talks about general Black history as well. But it also talks about a lot of movie stuff as well. Oh, um, great! Like they had they had the writer or creator, I think, of of, of um, uh, Insecure, mm-hmm. um, the HBO show with Issa Rae. Yes, and um, he was talking about that. And you know, they start off the interview with saying, um, you know, how do you feel about having you know one of those one of one of the only, you know, one of the three, um, all black, you know, like mostly black run shows to be given an award. And, and, uh, they just straight up say like, you know, it feels awful. Like It feels, yeah. Yeah. It feels awful. They're like, there's no competition. Um, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. It's like the fact, the fact that I was able to get my show recognized when there are so many other really great shows out there that, that all still deserve to be recognized, mm-hmm. uh, is, is, is terrible. And, uh, and, I'm really excited to listen to more of this. I only listened to a couple of episodes, but I definitely am excited to continue. Oh, I'll totally listen, man. That's that's great. Um, but talking about kind of young young um, characters or young people in this show, we do get a couple: uh, Jake Winters and Jimmy Palmer. I mm-hmm. think they're like the younger, the younger kind of um, kids mm-hmm. in the. I mean, probably not kids, but you know, whatever. The younger members of the Black Panther Party, mm-hmm. and uh, both of them unfortunately die within this which uh, were both heartbreaking mm-hmm. um very heartbreaking um scenes but and especially um, when he goes to talk to the mother of uh one of them uh was it jimmy or jake yeah jake? When fred goes to yeah, yeah. that was sad <laughs> like it was really sad it was a good scene though i'm glad they had it in there yeah and, uh, oh, just, I'm just going to mention what? that Martin Sheen was J. Edgar Hoover. Wish he was in a little bit more, because, uh, much respect for my president, uh, Jed Bartlett. God, I love him. <laughs> glad, glad he was in, <laughs> in this movie as, as the baddie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was, he was, uh, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, the, the prosthetic makeup on him, I was crazy. Oh, it was so, I, like, I, I knew that that was Martin Sheen, but I was like, I was like, is that Martin? Sh-? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like it was it was pretty good. It was it was a pretty good makeup. But yeah, I liked uh I liked what they said about uh Hoover in the podcast too. They're like they're like, wow, this dude was this dude was crazy. <laughs> he was a piece like, of work. He was a horrible man. A, oh gosh. Very much so. Very much so. Oh my gosh. Okay, let's look at these uh these plot keywords plot here. We've yes. got Black Panther Party, FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigation. That's Ooh. one. 
<laughs> not just FBI. One, yeah, just, just, not FBI <laughs> split. No, all one. A Fred Hampton character reference to racism, U.S. politics. Mm-hmm. There you go. There <laughs> you go. What does that even mean? That's reference the movie. To racism. <laughs> Why not just say racism? I know, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just straight up. Just say it. Straight up. All right. Okay. I think there'll be any fun trivia for this one, or are we just going to go straight into the... Uh, If you want, we we could check it out. All right. Um, Like I said, Chaga King wanted it to be, like, a little bit more interesting says he described the initial idea for the film as the departed inside the world of COINTELPRO, which is the, um, the, the FBI whole, whole shtick to try and infiltrate the Black Panthers and take them down from the inside, um, mm-hmm, along with mm-hmm. just every other shitty thing they did about any kind of race relations in this country in the 60s. Good job, FBI. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> great job you did there um let's see anything else oh the, it uh, did describe their their names bill o'neill was just 17 i mean that is very different from lakeith who's uh who's 29 um just saying <laughs> mm, okay um not really seeing anything. Yeah. Other stuff, just uh, go listen to that Stuff You Should Know podcast and the the Nod, right? That's what it's called? Yes, the Nod. Yes. Cool. Um, so this got so an 87 meta score, which is... Which I think is the exact same <laughs> thing that, that my rating <laughs> Yeah, mo- yeah, yeah. 87. Yeah, yeah. Both of them. Yeah. Um, very Same. good. Yes, again, no, on this, this main page, uh, no, no yellows. All green. Like, so, that's good. Um, I'm gonna read, I'm gonna read the Chicago Tribune one, because the movie took place in Chicago. Um, oh, yeah, okay. Judas and the Black Messiah is my kind of dramatized Chicago history. It's a real movie, for one thing. Brash, narratively risky, full of life and sneaky wit, even if the dominant tone is one of foreboding and brimming with terrific actors. It was a very general thing to say about the movie, but sure. <laughs> very much so. Thank you for your contribution, Michael. Yes. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Um, I think the Chicago Tribune would like be a little bit more creative in their, uh, and at least their their main thing to say about the movie. Yeah, um, the the bottom one kind of talks about what you were talking about with the uh, the age difference and everything. So let's see, the playlist gave it a seventy five, which I don't know if we've read from the playlist before. Mm, I've seen um, it. Uh, King comes so close to rendering Hampton's life and legacy anew for a younger, oh, sorry, for a younger generation. I, I just saw younger <laughs> and thought no. that was about the age thing. Um, but for all the film's eloquent crafts and the audacious performances from a deep ensemble, which includes an undersung Dominique Thorne as Black Panther member Judy Harmon, Judas and the Black Messiah doesn't fully encapsulate either its Judas or its Messiah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. I 
agree with that. Also, okay. I guess Judy Harmon is a real person. I, I don't know why I didn't think that. Maybe maybe she was more of an amalgamation, amalgamation but um, she is a real person. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, like, I agree. Like, I think... I, I wanted to get to know um, Fred a little bit more, I think. Like, I... I know it was like it's like this kind of movie it's like really difficult to really get to know somebody but I didn't really come out of it knowing a whole lot about Fred you, you know just like kind of this story just was like a whirlwind Yeah it definitely seemed like um Lakeith's character was a bit more prominent um I mean but they have like equal and, screen time I know that for sure but like yeah Do they oh, okay it just in in terms of in terms of getting to know the character though we really got to know O'Neill a bit more. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I I mean, well, I guess no. I mean, we we get to know his motives and kind of like his like his his emotions about all of this because mm-hmm. um, he because he definitely seems to be at odds with with what he's doing, um, but he still does it, um, probably out of desperation and you know needing money and things like that, mm-hmm. especially during the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, and and then Fred spends a lot spends a bit of the movie in in jail and where where mm-hmm. things are still kind of happening outside and we just kind of kind of lose tabs on him until he's out again. Um That's yeah, true. it definitely would have been a lot more meaningful to kind of learn a bit more about Fred. But uh, I'm going to yeah. read the Los Angeles Times 80 as reinforced by every capacious widescreen frame of Sean Bobbitt's cinematography. The movie is both a portrait and a panorama, a story about a black, about black self-determination as an individual and a collective enterprise. Mm. I think okay. that that was a good one because it, it is, that is something that we didn't really discuss. Like I, we kind of did with the baby situation, but that is like a very big strong point of the movie is is kind of what is best for you and what is best for everyone. And with Bill O'Neill or um sorry, uh just Bill as a character and as a person, like seeing the ways that he was taken off the streets to go against his fellow man. And just have, like, not really thinking of otherwise. I mean, that was, like, you could see how that somebody like him as, like, a 17-year-old man would do this. So I, I like that we have that juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Any other ones? No, I think that's, that's it for me. All right. Well, that was, uh... That was Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Judas and the Black Messiah. If you'd like to tell us your thoughts about this movie, we'd love to hear from you. You can do that in the, in the, what's it called? The, the, the comment section. <laughs> <laughs> of, uh, I almost said like suggestion box and I was like, that's not a thing. Um, the comment <laughs> section of, uh, you can, you can leave us a comment on SoundCloud or Facebook to search all by the popcorn um, and like and follow our pages. Uh, if you'd like to rate and review our show, you can do that on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. We are also on Spotify, if that's where you prefer to listen to your podcast. We are now on there. 
And uh, you can also email us. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts of the show and either of these movies or even anything, any future movies you'd like us to talk about. Uh, you can email us at allbythepopcornpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we also have merch and uh, we have a YouTube channel. Just search All By The Popcorn Podcast and subscribe to that. And uh, I think that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.